We are the Love Jays, and you're listening to Married Millennials. A conversation about being young, in love, and navigating life one student loan payment at a time. I'm Joy. I'm Justin. Let's get to it. Hello and thank you for tuning in to episode 42 of Married Millennials. What a week. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) understatement. What a week. What indeed? What was this week? (laughs) What was that? It was the final week of Obama's presidency. It was the inauguration of Donald Trump. It was just a lot. And I, in full transparency, I still have not watched the video of Donald Trump's inauguration. Mm -hmm. And I had every intention to, but literally, like, my body has rejected my fingers from typing in Donald Trump's inauguration and looking at the video. I I literally can't bring myself to watch it. I'm repulsed by it. I can't. But I know I need to. Just a part of being an informed citizen is I want to watch and listen to what he says. But, like, right now, I'm just, my hands are not there. I just think when somebody has proven time and time again that they are not for you, they are indeed against you, there is no need to tune in. Like, what what do I need to tune? Why do I need to tune in? What are you going to offer me? You've showed yourself. No, you've shown yourself. So it's like, you know, like how everybody's grandma says when somebody shows you who they are, believe believe them. I believe that Donald Trump is who he was through the election process. I, I get it. And I always I. I just fall on on both sides of the of the fence when it comes to being informed, especially when it comes from someone that you completely disagree with. So yeah. I'm, I'm I'm trying to to walk the line of of what I my personal convictions and then trying to be informed. But it's really it's tough. I mean, the great thing about Twitter is it really presents it to you pretty cleanly in a lot of cut ways. So right. I've I've read a substantial amount of articles. Yeah. I've I've so I've stayed abreast. Of right. what's being said, it was a very nationalist speech in comparison to any speech that was given on an inauguration day in the past 30 to 40 years. Mm-hmm. So I, I know the tone of, of what he's saying, and, and again, none of it is should be a surprise to the American people. But it's just like the reality is now here. Like he is in office. Yeah. <laughs> this this joke that we thought was carrying on for almost a year in front of our eyes has actually come to fruition. And I was talking to one of my colleagues this weekend and he was saying like, like Trump is like an evil genius. Mm. Like the fact that he was able to do this, he's like, there is a sense of genius that's inside of him. And I said, I have to agree with you. Like, yeah. It makes you understand it, people's fear of clowns. Just a complete joke turned terrifying. And, and, and now he's here and, and, this week, I'm sure we'll start seeing a lot of his actions start going into place with executive orders or decisions. Oh, he trying wasted to no time. Yeah, it's but that was on Friday. I, I'm this week is going to be is going to be the the start. I of think it we all. can prepare for an onslaught of bad news. I I think that's probably where we are at this point. I mean, we knew, and then we were like, hey, let's not let this guy get into office, and now he's in office, and now bad things are going to happen. It, like I, it, it, I'm not, and this is not being pessimistic. This is me saying, like, hey, he has huge plans. <laughs> huge. Yeah, huge. and they they include taking away 
most rights that we have been fighting for up until now. So now we get to uh, redo it. And uh, that's on us. It's on the people who didn't vote. It's on the people who voted for Trump who are just clueless who think like (laughs) oh yeah he's really gonna help me out like i don't know how much to express to you that trump does not care about you he doesn't care i and i don't know i can't even understand how people don't see that i'm really i'm at a loss but again that's neither here nor there he's in office and now we just have to fight accordingly aziz ansari did a really good job with his snl monologue kind of shaping up his opinions about the inauguration, about the process. He did in a very comedic way. I would highly encourage all of you guys to go and and listen to his full speech. I don't want to paraphrase it and and mess it up, but I thought he had some interesting nuggets, but mixed in with some humor, with fact. I like balancing humor. Did you guys see the, the interview with Kellyanne Conway? She was on, I'm forgetting the show, was on MSNBC, and they were talking about the the blatant lies that were being told by the White House press secretary and the interviewer was saying he was saying nothing but falsehoods at his first speech and didn't accept any questions and Kellyanne Conway had said we were using alternative, alternative facts. facts what is an alternative <laughs> fact I saw him and did that. you see the shade that Merriam-Webster threw on Twitter and was like, mm, alternative facts? Let me hear. An alternative fact is not a fact. No. When she said, what's the definition of a fact? Merriam-Webster <laughs> threw shade just to say, like, mm, you're sent. You're not making any. Yeah. It's just like, come on, guys. Like, really, the first, the, first, the first thing we're going to say is lies about how many people attended this inauguration. And they're saying, oh, well, you can't estimate crowds. There's, uh, the, the facts are there, guys. The amount of subway rides that were, th- that were used or taken for the time of the inauguration, the amount of buses that were booked in comparison to the inauguration to the Million Women's March, but we're going to use alternative facts. Guys, it's, it's not alternative facts. It's just lies. Yeah. Just, just say it's a lie. Just, like, we made this up, actually. <laughs> L-I-E. Lie. Yeah. Alternative and, facts. Yeah, we're just going to, I mean, journalists are going to have to be so vigilant in these next four years to make sure things go well, that, 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 that people are, are being held true accountable, to what, yeah. exactly, held, held accountable on, on what they're saying and their actions. But I'm, in, I'm, I'm very interested. It's just... I'm going to play close attention this week just to see what it looks like. His first full week in office. Yeah, I'm buckling up. I'm along for the ride, and I'm uh, going to do my best. (laughs) I'm going to do my best. Uh, Yeah, but I just think somebody like Donald Trump, it is inevitable that he has to be surrounded by people who are – I don't – you know, I don't want to just sit up here and – right. Exactly. I don't want to insult people. Just be like, you're Probably. all idiots. But no, you can't say they're idiots. No, but it's just it, that's exactly what it is. Like they they are able to be manipulated so easily. Uh, it doesn't seem like these people are thinking from for themselves, and which is why you get a lot of like snarky laughter or whatever when somebody asks them a straightforward question and they don't have a response. They're just like, well, doesn't matter. Donald Trump's president. You know, it's just. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm a, I'm at a loss here. I'm at a loss. I, I think a lot of people are are at a loss when it comes to what's 
happening now what our reality currently is right but this is the thing is reality has always been this so on one hand it's it's an eye-opener in that hey our nation is divided some people did vote for him it's not, not the majority but still he's in office for a reason he's in office because he is a reflection of what is going on in our country so on one hand it is it's a good thing because it's like okay we have some work to do we have some serious work to do because there's a huge sector of people who feel like their voice wasn't being heard. All right, we hear you now. You didn't have to do all that, (laughs) (laughs) but we hear you. So let's work on a solution for all of us so we can all enjoy the America that is supposed to love us all back. (laughs) Speaking of the inauguration, we need to speak about Chrisette Michelle this is a difficult one for me because I love Chrisette Michelle. I Justin and I went to both, a concert. We've been to a couple of her concerts. I mean, one just, of her songs was almost our wedding song. Right. I'm, a, I'm a fan of Chrisette. Michelle. Right. One of her songs defined my freshman year of college and like my love for Justin. <laughs> like, I mean, just she's in there like swimwear. And we received word last week that she was performing for... And did perform. And did perform for Donald Trump's inauguration. And my first reaction, because I love Chrisette Michelle so much, was, let me just, let me hold back. She might have a good reason. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what could be a good reason, but I thought maybe she was going to hit me with some real stuff. And I'd be like, oh, all right, girl, do what you got to do. That's not what happened. <laughs> she... To paraphrase her statement was that she wanted to bridge the divide. And didn't mind being the person who did it. I don't mind the stones. Here's here's my, there's a lot of issues when it comes Several. to this. Is Donald Trump has made, has not been shy at all about his feelings towards the minority community. And there have been other minority figureheads i don't want to say leaders but popular figureheads who have met with donald trump martin luther king jr son met with him steve harvey ray lewis there's these black figureheads Mm -hmm. who are meeting with donald trump and saying oh kanye and saying oh it's constructive conversation but ti actually made a a really good point he went on a on a rant on his instagram of saying guys like you got to open your eyes and and see that they're trying to go after popular black people and and there's you can't really you don't know how much truth is in it, but there was a, a strong point made by him. Is like they are trying to go to people who are popular in the black community and say, okay, if he's shaking hands with Trump, if he's wanting to be visible with Trump, then, hey, maybe there is something happening. But I am on the side of, of T.I. and believing mm, there's a little more something ongoing there. Donald Trump is a businessman. I it's work in business. There's always something. I've that's got a black friend. Fact. I'm not racist. I have a black friend. I'm not a misogynist. I asked this woman to perform. It's that. You are just, you are a scapegoat. When somebody says, throw something in his face and says, you are this and you are that. No, because I had this person. And I had that person. You're the black friend. Yeah. You're the female friend. And, and so Grissette you posted a, a open letter saying, yeah, she didn't mind the stones. I want to bridge the divide. I just, my issue comes is black folks have always, in, as history has been for hundreds of years, have always been the one that are reaching out. 
it blows my mind that the oppressed community feels that they must be the person that has to reach out and be the olive branch and saying, oh, it's our duty. It's like, no, it is not our duty. We've done this so many times. When someone is blatantly disrespectful, rude, has, has shown no compassion towards our community, we then come back like battered puppies and be like, okay, but we're still here. We want your approval. It's like, no, we are not dogs. Mm-mm. We are humans. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm tired of this narrative of oppressed communities having to go to those who oppress them and say, like, let's make amends. It's like, no, it's time for the oppressor to come to us and say, hey, this is right. how can we have these conversations? All these people went to meet Trump at the Trump Tower. Then she's going and perform at his inauguration ball. He's not coming to where we're at. No. He's not trying to have these conversations with us. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she even used that saying to be like, oh, I don't mind the stones. I'm willing to bridge the gap. What are you, what are you talking about? I think she believes it, though. That's the scary part is I think. And she's I, a buffoon if she does. <laughs> right. I, and that's the disheartening part because I'm just like, no, Chrisette. I, but I think she believes because that was kind of my my natural inclination was I think she thinks that she's doing this for the greater good. I think she thinks she's doing this on behalf of us, that she's going to be a voice for us. And lo and behold, that's what she said. But if you really wanted to be a voice, we've all learned, right, that silence is definite. Back out. Say, no, I don't support you. And this is why. If you want to be a voice, you let them know why you're not showing up. This is why I will not perform for you. A through Z, 1 through 100. Uh, These are all my points. There's there's a perfect example of exactly that. The Millions Woman March (laughs) was a perfect example of people saying, "Mm, I don't support you, so this is what we're going to do. You do not just slide in there and be like, okay, well, I'm going to try to make this something. It's just it can't work, and there's so many problems. And then she released a new song, which I still have to listen to, which was about some type of poetry that I guess was throwing jabs at Questlove and Spike Lee. I'm just like, don't says, don't it's dig yourself. No political genius. Yeah, no political. Like, don't dig yourself further into a hole. Like, just right because then what we're going to start fighting within the black community. Like, okay, so you support Trump, but you are going to diss your black brothers because they but, do not support Trump, and as a result, can't re- support you because you're not supporting Trump. So that's what I'm saying is this is and this is the definition of oppression: keeping each other down. I, it's not, this isn't right. This isn't what we should be focusing on. I do not think that Chrisette should have performed. Do you think that Spike Lee should have dropped her? What do you think about that? It's his own decision. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I understand why he did it. Yes, yeah, that doesn't surprise me being Spike Lee. He's very outspoken. Right. We know his stance. If you've not watched a film that he's ever made, where have you been? Right. So it's not a surprise to me right. that he didn't use her song. And, and I, I, I feel it. It was like, I'm not going to sit here and, and use your music into a platform when you support someone who has just openly ran on the most divisive campaign right. in quite some time. So right. I, I'm not, I'm not mad at spike at all right. there's plenty of music out there there's plenty of talented people right. i'm sure he could find someone who could fill in that gap or fill in that type of feeling that he was trying to get from right. that song that she was thinking he was thinking about using so i i take no issue at all yeah I'm, i was just wondering like what is what would be if i were in the situation if i were spike uh what is the most uh, constructive way to go about it 
there, what what do you mean? There's nothing right. to talk about. And then that's the thing too is like if Chrisette would have we I was on a group chat when we were saying well if Chrisette shows up like Beyonce showed up to the Super Bowl everybody in the, with their uh, Black Panther attire and froze talking about Black is beautiful <laughs> cool like cool but that's you know I mean there was a choir. The, it, <laughs> good good attempt. There was a choir. Good attempt. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, we're just, like Lee said, girl, bye. <laughs> also, uh, Fox is not renewing Stacey Dash's contract. Girl, bye. Uh, there's a. Uh, L-O-L. Yeah. That's, the resident token Negro, bye. Oof. That's the thing is, like, tokens don't win in the end. You don't win from being a token. It's not, you can't do it. You never can and you never will. No. You, you will, we will not. Black folks will never be yeah. one of them. Yeah. Like, let, let's just let's just yeah. take Nor that, do we be. soak it, and fill in. We're but just asking for equal ground, you're equal right. footing. But That's the, it. But there are a lot of black folks out there who fight tooth and nail, who are trying to be on the equal footing and be seen right. as one of them. You will never be seen as one of them. Barack Obama was not seen as one of them, and no. he fulfilled the highest seat in the United States, I, the most powerful position, and arguably, again, the entire world, and he was still seen as the black president. So right. you're, you're never going to fulfill that role. You are not right. going to be an honorary member of the elite white community. I just think Stop it. that a lot of people are under the misconception that equality requires them to relinquish a part of who they are like okay well in order to be equal i have to deny my culture in order for me to be equal i have to shut down this part of myself and that is not equality that's just you putting on a show so that hopefully the cool crowd right the cool kids accept you that's not what we're asking for and that doesn't need to be your ask either well going back to the million women's march that was happening literally all across the united states it was a pretty powerful movement from all intents and purposes and looking at the different rallies there's several articles that posted the different overhead shots of the rallies taking place in los angeles baltimore dc i mean literally every major, major city. metropolitan city mm -hmm. had a protest and you know let's go back to your point i was saying if you don't agree with someone you let your voice be heard and say this is how we're not going to support mm -hmm. and literally I, almost a million people did that Across the country, no, it was more than a it was more than a million mm -hmm. from all the. I mean, it was a, a there great. There was five hundred thousand in D.C. alone. Yeah, that was that is wild. It was, <laughs> it was that was a lot of people, and then seeing the different women. I mean, it was pretty cool to see uh, from the outside looking in. We didn't participate in the march in Los Angeles, so I just kind of kept up again via Twitter. Shout out to Twitter, love you to death. To see <laughs> all the different movements, look at the different speeches. Ashley Judd came with that heat and, <laughs> in her speech. And there's a lot of different groups who did it. But it was, a, it was a nice visual to see that there are a lot of people who were blatantly upset mm -hmm. about Donald Trump's presidency and did something to say, like, hey, this is we're not, not okay. cool with this. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> my feelings. I feel twofold uh, about the Million Women's March. I The majority of me feels the way that you just expressed. Like, this was a wonderful thing, and I do not want to take away 
from what an awesome moment this was. People were speaking up. They were fighting for their right. And there was so much support. You know, the LGBT community showed up. Men showed up. Obviously, women showed up. And women of all colors, shapes, and sizes showed up. And I think that is a wonderful, wonderful, awesome, amazing thing. Again, nothing taking away from that. But (laughs) when I opened my Instagram that day, one reaction was, how many people were there for the gram? I had, oh, and I hate saying it. I, I hate having conversations like this. But again, we have this platform. I have a responsibility to say something. Social media was alight with people protesting, saying, like, not my P-U-S-S-Y. Again, more power to you. I am happy. I have always said I'm not the type of person who protests in the streets. I rather be inside an institution and break it down that way. Uh, there is a saying in the butler, which I always bring up and I've probably brought up on the show before. There's a son who's a Black Panther. He's mad at his dad for being a butler. He's like, oh, you're serving the white man. And he's like, mm, no, I'm breaking down stereotypes from inside the White House, son. You're fighting from the outside. Both are needed. I think I was under the impression that there were less people willing to be out on the streets and willing to be on the front line than there were. And back in, what, what month was that when we were dealing with Alton Sterling? and Back, was that was it? summertime. Yeah. So we were out here, I mean, begging for allies. Begging. To the point where I thought it needed to be explained, right? Like, okay, well, maybe people don't know how to be an ally. And I remember having a meeting with, it was a bunch of millennial women. And we were discussing, because it was the week of the Alton Sterling shooting. And I remember everyone genuinely was heartbroken. There there was, there wasn't a, a disconnect there. I think on a human level, people empathized. Um, but there was a lack of action. And I remember one of the girls speaking up and saying, you know, I think that white women want to participate in this lady. She was a white young lady. And she said, they just, we don't know how to help. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to do a show on how to help. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But then there is a million women's march. And when your vagina is involved, all of a sudden, you know exactly what to do. Exactly what to do. You show up. You go out to the streets. You post all in social media. You let everyone know that you are not okay with this. And, man, I mean, and that's a wonderful thing. And I don't know. Am I articulating this correctly? You are. Okay. Because I, I don't want to. It is not my intention to offend anybody or even to chastise anyone. But, like, this is just, okay, You've proven now, not just white women, but like women everywhere have proven that we know how to lace up. We know how to show up. We know how to post on social media for injustice, right? So now it is the expectation that you show up for other, for women of color and our various issues, right? Because women of color are supporting white feminism. If I don't, if you haven't heard that before, basically it's that feminism tends to be a bit exclusionary and I think it's like that not by design but just kind of sometimes it defaults to that if you're a white woman a lot of the issues you have 
as a female are the only issues you have because you still have white privilege. And that's, I mean, excluding if you're disabled or a part of the LGBTQ community, community. But if you're, let's just say you're a white woman and you're like, hey, wait, I, I have unequal pay. Uh, the patriarchy is keeping me down and this is how I'm oppressed. That's great. I mean, that's not great. We're going to work on that. But sometimes it feels like, so for a woman of color, that is definitely an issue and it is a battle but it's not the entire war for a white woman. It's their entire war and they, and they leave out the other battle. So sometimes it feels like when you're talking to um, your, our white female counterparts about an issue that we're dealing with as a person of color, it's like you go to the doctor and you have two major health issues. I mean, they're major, both can kill you. They're like, okay, okay, okay. Let's just take care of the one. And they're equally as bad. They're both just as bad. And then you die a week later and they're like, well, you know, we took care of the one problem. Yeah, but I have the other problem too that was just as likely to kill me. You got to treat both issues. We cannot, we are not afforded the privilege as people of color to pick and choose between our identities. I am both female and a person of color always. Each and every part of each and every day, that is who I am. And those are the battles that I have to fight. And I can't say, okay, well, today I'm going to be a woman and tomorrow I'm going to be black. I can't do that. So I just think from from here on out, we expect support on, on all ends. We support you and it is our battle too, but we need your support too. I, that's, you know, and men included in that because some men showed up for the Millions Women's March. And, and I think that that is wonderful. Um, men of all groups show up for your black counterparts, for your Latin American counterparts, for your Muslim counterparts. I mean, we all need help and, and humanity needs to be the thing that binds us together, not just your specific uh, category of oppression. Not much I can say to defend that. <laughs> Being a man and and I've heard these different point of views and I saw a few Facebook status from black female friends who shared a similar sentiment mm-hmm. to what you just expressed and I would say don't hold your breath and I don't (laughs) say that to be negative I just say that history has a way of proving itself and it has done so for hundreds of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and it goes to show the the identity connection that we have as a society right we can support and relate to women we were all birthed by a woman we have moms, we have sisters, we have friends, we have girlfriends, we have wives. It is a easy connection to say, okay, this individual mm-hmm. is running a divisive platform that is targeting women in a negative light. So yeah, I want to go a specific out, gender, a specific like half of half the population, of, half of the population. <laughs> so we can see that right. we can go in and relate. There's every person. I would I would argue literally every single person has a woman that they are very accessible to. So when you hear that and you hear there you know, a woman explaining what Trump's actions, what Trump's words are saying, and you you feel that rise inside, it's like, okay, you know what? I can empathize with that. I'm going to go out and support. Mm-hmm. And then you saw a lot of men who were out there were probably with a female friend, a, a girlfriend, right. a mother, a Their sister, yeah. and say, you know, this is something that they feel passionate about passionately about. I love them. I support them. So I'm going to go ahead and join them on the front lines. When it comes to matters about race, Mm -hmm. when it comes to 
being a black person, a black man or a black woman, we've we've talked about it all the time. There's just a disconnect. People do not associate themselves. I mean, we had Alton Sterling killed point blank in the chest, and we still couldn't get a lot of ally support. You had Philando Castile die on Facebook Live, and you had people who were like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible, but still weren't coming out Mm -hmm. because there is still such a huge disconnection between the black struggle and everyone else's struggle. It is is something that we have been fighting for for years, for decades, Mm -hmm. trying to say, God, we are all the same, but because, as you said, there is an exclusionary piece. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, I... That's not my reality. Right. I may not know someone who would be like that. I don't live in a city or an era right. or a town that would promote such hate. So I don't really know what to do. It it, it requires, and we've said this before, it requires a full and total social deconstruction. And I just don't see that happening. So while I would love to say like, oh, yeah, all these allies who were out during the Millions Women March are going to now be, be at the support when black men or black women are, are falling victim to, to police brutality. Good luck. Like, right. Really oh, good luck. Right. But the problem is that the price that we have to pay for this is white supremacy. And white supremacy is actually exclusionary of white female. So it's like it's still in your best interest. It's still in your best interest. It's a hard I think that my challenge would be to see how all the how all the puzzle pieces fit fit together. Look at how your piece connects to the other piece. Because if you look at oppression as a whole, it's all intertwined. But Every how, little piece of but it. But how do you convince someone who has absolutely no connection to a cause? How do you convince someone to care about a cause that they have absolutely no connection to? Uh, that, that, and that's where empathy comes in. That's where you have to say, all right, let me put myself in this person's shoes. Let me draw on my experiences, my my experience of oppression and apply it in that way. It takes work. You're not going to just get it. No, that I don't I don't expect that. I do expect you to do the work to get it, though. As best as you can, just because you don't have to worry about your husband getting shot in the street by a crooked cop does not mean that you should turn a blind eye to it. It means that, okay, but I I don't have to worry about that. But a lot of people do. And uh, people that I people who look like my friend or people who look like my friend's dad have to worry about this. That's something I think or even if you don't have any black friends. Understand it on a human level. There are people being slaughtered in the streets. That is not okay. You know that it is not okay. Well, some people know that it's not okay to say, go back to Mexico. Like, you know it's not okay to say, go back to Africa. The same way that you know those things, you know that it is not okay for a man to be shot point blank and it be captured on video and you see it for yourself and you're just going to go on about your day like, okay, well, we need to go grocery shopping. And then, you know, no, fight for human rights. It's Even if it's just, and I had this conversation too with one of my good friends, even if it's just breaking down dangerous rhetoric, like be a part of the change in a way that you can be. That is, I don't need everybody out on the streets. 
I was just disheartened because I was like, oh, people can be in the streets. You can show up. You can post on Instagram. I really was under the impression that I, not that people were so self-absorbed, but people just are were kind of enabled. Like, okay, well, this isn't something that I even know how to do. You know how to do it. Well, and it was easy, too. It was so easy. That, I mean, that's what it, it, was it, easy. What it comes down You're to. Right. When you have millions of people across the United States saying they're going to do this, it's easy. Right. Well, and that's, I think, where I was like, how many people really care about this and how many other people are bandwagoners? Like, how many people did this because it was cool? Like, when, Oh, I'm sure a, a great majority. Yeah. Um, when uh, the shooting in France happened and everybody changed their filter on... To the French, the French yeah. flag. Yeah. I it spoke it about kind that. of exactly. It kind of felt like that a little bit. Like, do you really care, or are you doing this for the sake of acting like you care? Like, did you do this for the gram? Did you do this for Facebook? Did you do this, or did you do this because this is something a cause that you believe in, something that you're rooted in? And if you this is something that you believe in and you're rooted in, rights for all, then I expect you to show up for rights for all. And go ahead and throw that on your gram too. <laughs> Change your filter for it. Let's let's do this. Well, I would say in theory that most people are for human rights for all people. But when it comes to actually putting yourself out there, for actually willing to to break down or stop these conversations that may be happening amongst friends or that may be happening amongst families. It's a completely different situation. When you have to put yourself in a position that is uncomfortable, that requires a self-awareness and a leadership component about you to say, hey, this is wrong and this is right, it becomes a lot more difficult. When you can just assimilate to the masses and say, here's millions of people who are doing it, sure, no problem. It's very easy. And that's the problem and that's why i said all all good intentions but i i just don't see it happening i i would be shocked because people are not willing to put themselves in those uncomfortable situations and have those uncomfortable conversations like these are not comfortable conversations for me to have i would love to be talking about literally anything else but i owe it to everybody people who are who are in a similar circumstance as me and people who completely don't even understand this because the thing is if if somebody if some middle-aged white male is out there listening to this and goes huh then it's worth it and that's the thing you have to put yourself in an uncomfortable position sometimes to affect change and I know that that is something that I'm doing and I'm already probably in an uncomfortable spot just as a person existing in this world because I am black and female. <laughs> so it's not that hard for me. It's harder when you're in a position of privilege to go talk to another pres- person in a position of privilege and say, hey, what we're doing isn't right. I understand that too. The important point to take away from that is you don't have a choice. As you said, you don't, don't have, have the choice. choice to separate your Woman identity from your black identity. I could not talk about it, though. No, of, of course. But again, you don't have a choice in how you live. Right. A white woman, a white man has the choice to fully ignore right. racial issues right. because they don't have to experience that. Right. So and they, a white man has the... the has the duel to ignore yeah. the, the woman's identity <laughs> they don't worry about and anything. the racial identity. Yeah. So you have to realize that it is different for white people. Yeah. They have to willingly walk into something that they don't know... Right. I won't say they don't know anything about, but something they don't have to live and experience and go ahead and say, okay, I want to make a change for this. Now, 
I'm not – I don't feel sorry for that yeah. if, if that is, is the conversation because I do think we all have a social responsibility mm-hmm. to work and make this a, a fair and just society for everyone. Right. But because they have to make that extra step, I just don't. I just it's, don't see. Yeah, it I understand that there is a difficulty on their end too. Like I'm not discounting that. That that sucks too. Doesn't suck as much as being slaughtered on the streets, but it it sucks. Uh, and again, this episode isn't to shame anybody or perpetuate white guilt or say like, yeah, you participated in the women's million women's march, but you're still not anything because you weren't there for Black Lives Matter. This is not that. This is constructive. Like, hey. You did this. That's great, but let's keep going. You have the you have the power. Yeah. To come to action when called. Exactly. So we ask when we people of color. Yeah. Ask when for you to call, come to the call. We uh, we hope that you come, and, right. and that's what it is. Hope. That's all. That is. That's it. All you can that's do is it. hope. I'm not gonna hold my breath, but I but I'll be hopeful. You know, I'm I am I'm going. I'm not gonna hold my breath either, but I am <laughs> because I don't want to die. But I I I am hopeful too. I think I think that this was a wonderful starting point, and I don't think that I'm going to be the only one saying something. I'm hoping, and I I haven't been the first person. To You're say not something. there. People are having yes. people are having these thoughts, right? But not many people are saying. So it. now it's time to have the conversation. Like let's have this conversation. Let's keep it going and just work towards a better place of being for all of us so that we can all have as many equal opportunities as possible thank you guys again so much for tuning in to another episode of married millennials as always please subscribe to this podcast on itunes stitcher and now google play and of course share it with your friends and let's keep the conversation going online connect with us on social media you can head over to our website lovejays.com and you will see all of our social media icons right there at the top of the page Thanks again, everyone. We appreciate your support, and we'll see you next Tuesday.